Alright, I'm going to hand out a copy of the Apostles' Creed. I think many of you still have one, but if you don't, there's an extra. And we're going to say it together. Um, We're continuing our study through the Apostles' Creed. Thank you to Will Savelle for filling in last week. While we were on vacation, we're on to Lesson 4 in the Third Millennium Material, which is titled, The Holy Spirit. So, let us recite the Creed together, and then we will um, carry on. I'll wait till the copy gets around so the, this side of the room isn't silent. Front row, we still need some. Y'all got one? Okay. There we go. There we go. All right, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So, uh, we're moving right along, and for those that get a little concerned about the statement, the Holy Catholic Church is just a word for universal, I believe in the universal church, uh, the church throughout history in all places. That's not a statement about the Roman Catholic Church, but the universal church of Christ, and we will talk more about that soon. Uh, But let's start like this. Our focus this week is the Holy Spirit. So the first question is, is the Holy Spirit an it? Huh? What? No? It's the loudest answer I've heard, so we'll go with that. And you're right. No, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, Uh, The Holy Spirit is a He, just like the Father, just like the Son. I don't want to spend a ton of time here, but we do need to note, and it was made pretty clear in our lesson, that the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is the third person of our triune God. He is our personal God, equal in essence uh, with the Father and the Son, the third person of the Trinity. Alright, now, the obvious attention uh, given to the Holy Spirit in the Creed is really minimal. I mean, when you consider the attention given to Christ and, and that sort of thing. So, on the fourth line in the handout, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The thirteenth line, I believe in the Holy Spirit. That doesn't tell us a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. But what can we learn uh, from what the writers were intending to say about the Holy Spirit just in the Creed itself? What do you think? Not a man. 
I'm sorry? Not a plan. Uh, why do you say that? I want to make sure that I'm answering about the right spot we're talking about. The conceiving by the Holy Spirit. Oh, just, just in general about the Holy Spirit's involvement in the creed, what were the writers intending to communicate? They're obviously trying to capture biblical teaching. Um, yeah, not of man. Um, there is an apparent Trinitarian formula in the Creed. You got the Father, you got the Son, you got the Holy Spirit. Uh, I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So, Father, Son, and Spirit really headline the Creed and structure the Creed. And that's on purpose because it's showing us that the, the writers of the Creed were intending to communicate the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And the statement about Jesus being conceived by the Holy Spirit is also meant to teach that the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, it's assumed that the Holy Spirit is God there because what in saying that He's conceived by the Holy Spirit is intending to teach that Jesus is God. So um, there's a lot to be said about the Holy Spirit's divinity here in the Creed. Uh, But no matter what we can learn from the Creed, we can certainly find evidence of the Holy Spirit's divinity, the fact that He is God in the Scriptures. Uh, The lesson teaches this under four headings, under names, attributes, Trinitarian formulas, and work, the the work of the Holy Spirit. So in terms of names, um, we should start with the fact that the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit. Now, granted, holy does not always mean God, Um, For example, we are called holy ones. That's what saints means. We are God's holy people, His holy nation, and that's not a reference to God. That's a reference to us. We are called holy. Um, So it doesn't necessarily mean God when you see holy, but we should recognize to start that uh, throughout the Old Testament, God is referred to as the Holy One and even the Holy Spirit. For example, 2 Kings 19, Against whom have you mocked and reviled? Against the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 30, The rebellious people say, Speak to us smooth things. Say no more about the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 63, They rebelled and grieved His Holy Spirit. So you even see Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Um, But not only the name Holy Spirit, there are also a number of other names in terms of the Spirit uh, that suggest His divinity. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord, Isaiah 11 and Luke 4. The Spirit of God, Genesis 1. The Spirit of the living God, 2 Corinthians 3. The Spirit of Christ, Romans 8. The Spirit of Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 1. The Spirit of your Father, Matthew 10. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 6. And I think maybe the clearest passage that would tell us that the Holy Spirit is God is in Acts 5, verses 3 and 4, about Ananias and Sapphira. They hold back the, uh, the gift and they are put to death there. It's a very sobering passage. But Ananias, how is it that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to men, but to God. So obviously equating the Holy Spirit with God. The Holy Spirit is God. That becomes very clear as we examine the Scriptures. Not only in the names of the Spirit, but also in His attributes. Now, when we talk about attributes of God, we have to talk about God's communicable attributes and His incommunicable attributes. Anybody want to help me with... uh, 
what this one is and this one is. See who did their homework? Anyone? Whether or not they can be passed on. Right. The communicable attributes are those that God shares with mankind. What's an example of a communicable attribute? Attribute. Wisdom. Yeah, truth, wisdom, love, um, all those sorts of things. So, love, wisdom, etc. What about incommunicable attributes? Those that God does not share with humanity. Eternality. He's eternal. Holiness. Say again. Holiness. Holiness. Omnipotence. Omnipotence. That's all-powerful, omnipresence, God is everywhere, um, omniscience, He knows everything. Okay? So, we have to make distinctions between the attributes God shares with us and those that are only His. So, um, if the Holy Spirit is God, and He is, then we should expect that he shares God's incommunicable attributes, and he does. So can anyone think of an example in the Scriptures where we see the Spirit specifically referenced in terms of incommunicable, one of these incommunicable attributes? I think in, uh, I think in Job, when uh, God is challenging Job to ask him about this. He does Job in the beginning when he created the heavens and earth. He was expressing his um, uh, you know, omniscience, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His eternality. So that is an example to me of sharing that scripture. Obviously he's saying to the man you know, you were not with me right. at this time bound by the constraints of you know, uh, how sure. he created so. Very good. Also, think about, we sing a scripture song. I'm not going to sing it, but uh, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? Psalm 139. In heaven you are there. In Sheol you are there. Where shall I go from your spirit? God the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He is omnipresent. Uh, He is God. We see this in his names. We see this in his attributes. Also in the Trinitarian formulas. I'm not going to spend time here, but um, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why would you baptize in the name of the Holy Spirit if He's not God? But the Father and the Son are. We also see the divinity of the Holy Spirit in His work, and that's where I want us to spend the rest of our time. Um, So help me think of some examples of work uh, that is unique to the Holy Spirit. The idea of sending Him with you when He sent the disciples out in Acts and said, you know, the Spirit will be with you, although God the Father and Son are with you. You think of the Spirit as being with you. 
that's where we go back to, okay, there are distinctions to be made and we want to get those distinctions right. It is, Jesus says, I'm going away and the counselor will come. I will send the spirit of truth and he will lead you in all the truth. So Jesus does tell us that it's the Holy Spirit that comes. Now, of course, where there is the one, there is the three. So, I mean, it's, um, you know, this is where the Trinity sort of blows our minds and it, and it should. We're not God. We can't comprehend him fully um, we can just better grow in our understanding but yes Jesus said uh, I will be with you to the end of the age and what he meant was I'm going back and sending the spirit and he's going to be with you to the end of the age good good one what else in Romans it talks about him helping our prayer like when we don't know how to pray yes he intercedes with that's a great one um, and I don't know that it's one that we probably think about um, enough, or maybe you do because you brought it up, but, you know, if you carry burdens, which I'm uh, sure that you do, and you want to pray, and you do pray, and, you know, you've got somebody that you're really just burdened for, and you don't really even know how to pray for them. Um, This is back to the question... Do you fully understand the mind of God? No. Does the Holy Spirit? Yeah, He is God. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And so, you don't really know what to pray. You want to pray according to God's will. And you don't even understand your own groanings, but He does. He discerns not only the will of God, but also what's going on in your own heart. And so, what I would say is just say it the best you can. But the Holy Spirit is taking all of those and interpreting those groanings perfectly and bringing them before the Lord in, according to His perfect will. It's just very freeing. Or you're dealing with sin and you want to repent and you don't really know how. You don't really know what I should say. Well, you don't have to get it perfect. Just turn to God, say some things from the heart. The Holy Spirit indwells you. He knows how to interpret all that and discern all that and take it before the will of God exactly according to His perfect will. But that's a great comfort in the fact that the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf. We good? All right. <laughs> what else about the... the Go ahead. Many people of different denominations would say that would be their prayer language, speaking in tongues and things like that. Do you have anything to speak on that as far as the work of the Holy Spirit and... Communicating the perfect prayer um, through prayer language. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about spiritual gifts, and and tongues is one. And I I tend to be a little more conservative in my understanding and view of that. Um, I think that that is a gift that has been misunderstood and perverted in large part. One of the things. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is build up the church, and He does that via the ministry of spiritual gifts. So He equips us all with gifts, uh, as it says in 1 Corinthians, for the common good. And one of the things in terms of that prayer language tongues thing is it tends to be for the common confusion, not for the common good. Um, as people, and it, and it tends to be kind of like, I've got it and you don't, and and that sort of thing. I also think that tongues, biblically understood, we ought to put a whole lot more emphasis on languages like 
spoken languages than we do. Uh, that's our introduction to the whole gift of tongues at Pentecost is when people were speaking in their own language and yet they understood one another. So that's really kind of the background of tongues. That said, could God give utterance in a unique prayer language? I'm sure that He can. Uh, I think that we ought to guard against our understanding by saying, okay, spiritual gifts come for the common good. Uh, they come for the building up of the church. A lot of, they, as far as the tongues, you always need an interpreter. And so a lot of times people will be doing whatever they're doing without anyone helping the congregation know how this is helping us. So I think that that gets a little bit lost there. What would you say? Me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would say a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't um, view it as uh, confusing for their churches. They, they view it as something very unifying. And um, to Janine's point, her kind of the, the bridge when you uh, the enter, it's part of the whole intercession part of things is how they would view it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's clearly in First Corinthians, a lot, a lot of places, mm-hmm. um, Paul claims to speak in more tongues than anybody. Mm-hmm. But then I would also agree that um, there's a lot about interpretation there. Yeah. And uh, my experience has been more on the negative than than the positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, with it, but it, uh, I you can't say I'm. Well, it doesn't exist. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's in a lot of places in the New Testament. Right. I think. I think when people say um, it's just the cessationist that that are just like it's done. Mm-hmm. It's like says, so, I mean, says who? Right. Um, yeah. I think it's done like it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, I mean, there's different views. Like it's cessationist meaning it's, it's ceased. It's like it, it, these gifts, like healing and tongues and. Uh, stuff like that, prophecy, they're, they're gone. They're done. Um, and then there's, I don't know what you're talking about, people continue, uh, people that would say they continue. Yeah. Um, and then there's little hybrid models of that. Um, but I, th- I think it's real simple to say it's just gone. Yeah. Right. Well, and one of the things that people can, cessationists, people that believe the gifts, the, 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 these, um, Extreme gifts, if you will, have ceased, like the miracles and prophecies and healings, and is that they were given to attest to Jesus as Messiah and to his apostles as uh, his sent messengers to attest to, you know, the founding of the church. So after the apostolic age, uh, that's the argument: is that those were seasonal for a time for the establishment of the foundation of the church. And they have ceased in normal function. Now, can God still do whatever He wants? Yes, well, absolutely. There's, there's lots of places that the church isn't all that established. That's true too. To, to this day. Yeah. And there's lots of you go, and it's just a lot of weird things. <laughs> For me, a lot of just weird things that happen, and you're going. I mean. Sure. I mean the. the presence of God's word and the established truth and yeah. things that we kind of take for granted isn't so much there. And you know another like an example of that would be millions upon millions of people are coming to faith in Christ in the Muslim world and 
many of them experience visions and dreams as a part of drawing them to Jesus. Um, Typically, the way they would report that is they will experience some kind of vision or dream and uh, God will send them someone to help interpret it, to help explain it and speak Christ to them. But But would you say that's a work of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. But that that point you just said about dreams is splitting ministries all throughout North America. Right. Split over that point. About the fact that that's impossible or that we don't believe in that or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's uh, an interesting thing, but, you know, I tend to, uh, and I I don't, again, more conservative. God, the other thing is, like, prophecy. What was the role of prophecy but to bring us the Scriptures? And a lot of these prophecies, you know, of old, the prophets in the Old Testament and even New Testament prophets that were proclaiming the Word of God as the apostles were doing their ministry, um, a lot of people think that that would have ceased in its uh, function when we have the Bible now. They didn't have the Bible put together. But, you know, can, can God so visit someone that He comes and tells somebody something that's true in accordance with God's Word? Yeah, I think so. I think He does. So, those are things we just need to work through together. And remember, I think the thing when we talk about spiritual gifts, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, and it's for the common good. And so, you know, um, you start having premonitions and going out and doing your thing, uh, you might get some weird looks. But if you kind of have some strange inclinations that you think may be from God and you share them with the body of Christ and we come under the authority of the church and we I think it can be a blessing to the church. You say those things have ceased, you know, completely ceased at the time. Doesn't that in a lot of ways limit God's power? I mean, because far be it for me to know if he's yeah. I don't think that the I don't think now there are those that would say there's never any but I don't think they would say it has ceased forever all time I think they would say God has uh, established paths that he works within like this you know when people say I got a word from the Lord I get real skeptical you know what I mean but that's where you go with it. That's where we have to... If you're going to talk about this, we have to talk about having discernment. And I say, I got a word from the Lord. You know, this is God's word. And I do say regularly, God speaks through what He has spoken. But do I, I do think, though, that God visits people in these Muslim villages with a dream in order to lead them to Christ. I'm fine. I don't think that's... Read the New you Testament. Saying that, like that, it, even in like the Presbyterian world, like yeah. you would be smacked around pretty hard. Yeah. So, like, what you're saying is a pretty big deal for like our church. Like, you're you're leading everybody, and you believe that. Yeah. You're our leader. Okay, I believe that now too. Yeah. That kind of stuff. But like, what would Grace Devan say about dreams? Jimmy, what would what would Dr. Young comes from a background of an extreme cessationist because that's the the world that he grew up in. He has now been around the world enough to say similar things to what I'm saying. He said this at staff meetings and things, and 
you know, he wants to caution against the perversions that we see, but also recognize that God works in amazing ways uh, outside of the ordinary ways that we might tend. We talk about the ordinary means of grace, which are the ministry of the Word, the administration of the sacraments, the prayers of the saints. You know, but does God do some extraordinary things at times to... Of course, I think He does. And I, I think for, to deny that is... I think we heard it Wednesday night when we heard Gaytree's um, yeah. uh, testimony. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she has a really interesting testimony. If you didn't... I don't know if they recorded it, but it's probably worth the listen. Yeah. Um, where it was kind of more of a vision type. You know, she had been exposed to the Gospel. She'd been seeing it and... But she literally woke up one morning at 5 a.m. and had this just overwhelming presence of the Lord. And that was it. Like, yeah. from there on, you know? Yeah. If, if you go down that route, does that open it up to, I mean, that's pretty subjective after a while. I mean, like, I, mean I, I feel it too. And yeah. I, feel like God I would say with her or any, anybody, you look at their life. Yeah. So you've got a track record that's built over whatever it's been. 20 or 18 yeah. years or something like that. Now, you know, could it be a, again, flash in the pan or the person that, you know, the seed that falls over, yeah. falls to the side and it sprouts and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, over a period of time, but over a course of a lifetime. And what is that, uh, you know, is the vision calling them to go out into the wilderness and get a bunch of people to lead, you know, leave the church and go drink the Kool-Aid? Or is it, um, you know, come to Jesus and you know you will have the bread of life and living water. I mean I think that's how you really discern any of these kind of extraordinary occurrences is is it in accordance with the word of God? I do think it opens you up to um you know there are dangerous things that you can do with yeah whatever God'll do whatever he wants. I heard, I mean, this guy is someone that I respect, and um, he's in hot water, you know, in the blog world, which, you know, he probably doesn't even care, but Matt, uh, Matt Chandler, who is very, he is probably the John Piper for millennials. A lot of you grew, you know, grew in the faith listening to John Piper, and um, he is what you would call a continuationist in terms of uh, leaving this opportunity open door for the spirit to move as he so pleases i think true cessationists would say the same thing they just think that those extraordinary gifts were in such a measure at that time for the foundation of the church anyway but chandler was saying something about and you can go find it because people are having at it but he said when you're praying and he was talking about encouraging he was talking about the point that it's for the upbuilding of the saints but he said, when you're praying, God, I really want to be used. I really want to encourage a brother or sister in Christ. Um, will you put someone on my heart? And he said, the first person that comes to your mind, that's the Holy Spirit. I, Okay, let's go with that. Then he said, "Then okay, Lord, what should I say? And he said, the first thing that comes to your mind, that's the Holy Spirit. And literally, he said, he gave an example of this person and I've got this thing that came to my mind was a pirate ship and cannons and something else. And he said, you need to go to him and tell him, you know, I don't, uh, I don't really understand this, but 
And maybe you do or maybe you don't, but I just feel like I need to tell you because it's from the Lord and it's a pirate ship and cannons and blah, blah, blah. That's garbage. That's garbage. Now, I do think that you pray and you ask God to lead you and He will give you clarity. And But man, anybody ever asked for something and then thought, thought right after that about who knows what? You think everything that comes into your head when you're praying is from the Holy Spirit? I can't go there. So I think that's the kind of places that you can go in error um, and that we have to guard from, which is why it's wise to say, are these things in uniformity with the Word of God? Um, Anyway, that was a recent example this week. You can go listen to it, and I hope I didn't do it injustice, but I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened. If you think about pirate ships when you're... When you're, yeah, I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I mean, I know this, my flesh hates when I pray. And there are times in my prayers where obscene things come into my mind. And I do not believe that's from the Holy Spirit. It's from my flesh. It's possibly from Satan and his servants. And so there is a needed discernment in this. But I absolutely believe the Holy Spirit. We have a book on our shelf. It's called um, "Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus" by Nabil Qureshi, who has since died. He died in his mid-thirties of cancer, but he uh, came to faith in Christ out of a, a Muslim home, and he talks a lot about the significance of dreams in the Muslim world and how God is using that in the Muslim world to bring people to Christ. If you don't have room for that in your view of God, I would suggest you have too small of a God, and um, yet. I would caution you from pirate ships. <laughs> I think it's very hard to balance, like, you know, the heavens and earth proclaim his glory versus, and then interpreting that in our finite minds yeah. to, you know, what is legitimate versus what is not. I mean, what is legitimately from God versus. Yeah. Well, and this is where, okay, so the heavens and the earth proclaim His glory. That's a great point. And that's where we would talk about God's common grace via the ministry of the Holy Spirit as, as the sky above proclaims His handiwork that's in the Psalms. But God didn't leave it there because we're darkened in our understanding. And is that sufficient knowledge that we get through the heavens and the earth to know God? Well, God didn't think so. So He sent... Uh, our forefathers and prophets to speak His Word with clarity. And He sent ultimately His Son, His Word in the flesh. Um, He gave us His Word. So that's the difference between general revelation and special revelation. God doesn't just reveal Himself generally through everything and cause us to then go kind of try to make distinctions, but He speaks specifically in His Word. And everything that we sense... Because will the Holy Spirit give you a sense of something? Yes. He will prod you along. He will, you know, stir your heart in certain ways to go in directions. It just all has to come back to under the submission of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. Um, So, it's not easy. uh, But also, in the fellowship of the saints. I mean, you know, it's if you're thinking something, it's good to test that with brothers and sisters in Christ who have that same Holy Spirit. Well, and I've often heard discernment listed as a 
spiritual gift yeah. in and of itself, which to me points to the fact that as human, we're going to pervert all these things. Yes. So we need something to pull us back to truth. And yeah, us. it is mentioned, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians 12, I was reading it, or maybe it's Romans passage, but I was reading that earlier. Um, and it is a spiritual gift. And maybe that's not the gift that he's giving you at that time. And, you know, so as we... But as why you need to use it in the body. So right. You can be around somebody. Exactly. And that's a point that I would say, you know, maybe you don't know your spiritual gift. And that's fine. I would submit that God may have you exercise faith to even find it out. For example, I was invited to teach on a uh, mission trip when I was a relatively new Christian and I was like, you do know that I've never done this before. He's like, that's fine. It'll be great. <laughs> you know, I don't know how much. There's a hundred something college students and he wants me to lead the trip. Open the Bible and speak. And I was like, all right, man, you know, well, we'll see how this goes. But really it was heeding that call and opportunity that gave me clarity into a way that I was gifted to serve the body of Christ. And... I would submit, whether it's discernment or administration or acts of mercy or whatever it is, God will call you to something and give you opportunities or pray that God would call you to something and give you opportunities and give you clarity into how He's wired you and gifted you by the Spirit in order to be a blessing to the body of Christ and through the church to the world. So there are many gifts. I don't know all of your gifts. Um... I don't even think I understand all of the gifts that are listed in the Bible. you know. But I know that there's a diversity of gifts for the greater good, and we all ought to seek how the Spirit has gifted us so that we can serve the common good. Here's a big line to go along with that, though. Um, because I think we're playing, uh, walking around knowing probably how untalented we are and ungifted. Like we, feel, we don't feel very gifted, mm-hmm. so we don't really do a whole lot right. based off of that. But the idea, we, we talked about Jesus last week, the idea that we have the exact same Holy Spirit indwelling us that raised Jesus from the dead. Absolutely. That's a huge, that's a huge uh, reality. Absolutely. That should drive each of us to do whatever. We yeah. Wanna, I mean, whatever we feel compelled to do. Yeah. How confident. Well, and the... Um, yeah, Romans 8.11, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. He dwells in you. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You know, one of the things that I... One of my greatest concerns for our class, our church, for me is that we tend only to do what we think we can manage. And um, so we neglect, really, faith. Stepping out beyond what we can possibly do in our own strength. But it is the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead who dwells in us. It will give life to our mortal bodies. It's God's strength. It's, God, it's the power of the resurrection the third person of the Trinity that dwells in us. And so, I don't limit yourself to what you think you can manage. 
Now, are there is there wisdom in understanding limits? Yes, there is. There really is. I mean, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And there's wisdom. But I think we can overcook that. And um, what what would give me an example of how how we might overcook that and be too cautious and not believe that the Spirit indwells us and so we step out in faith. What do you think? We don't think we have enough understanding of the Bible to talk to somebody else about Amen. Christ because we are worried they're going to ask us a question we don't have an answer to. And you know what? You're exactly right. And we don't think we have enough training. We don't think we're equipped. Is there need for training and equipment? Yeah, there is. But... You know, there's also passages in the Bible that talk about people going places and they don't know what to say, but the Spirit will give them what they ought to say. And that's another way I would tell you, I mean, this may not immediately encourage and you may not want to come and ask me something, but like half the time when people come and want to talk about something in their life or if I have an opportunity to talk about the faith, I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> you, you rely on the Spirit. You rely on Him to lead you in the moment. He brings things to mind. He brings a passage out of right field that you remember from, you know, elementary school. I mean, you never know what He's going to... But He's going to lead you and give you the strength to do that. What else? This is an example, that, and I hesitate to share it because you're gonna, this is not my only point. It's an, it's an illustration that extends to all points, okay? But um, it's about kids. When you have what people think is a lot of kids, which we have now entered that territory, <laughs> you tend, we think it's a lot too. You tend to think, you tend to think, all right, and I hear the statement, I could never do that. And it's like, no kidding, I can't either. You know, I couldn't do it either. If this is about what I could do, we wouldn't get very far. I heard this woman, Rachel Jankovic, she's an author, and she has seven kids and is writing her third book. And I heard her say, it's as if people think my husband and I sat down after three or four and said, you know, we really have a lot of stress margin, and I'm seeing that we have a lot of extra time, so we should really think about adding three or four more. Um, now, that's about, but I, I think that applies to everything. I, I think that applies to we want what we can manage. And so it, maybe it's ministering to that person that you know is going to be time consuming and burdensome and maybe in your home more than you might like in your normal life that you like to manage. Or maybe it's a career change because you sense that, that what's, that's what the Lord's leading you to, and yet you're going to. There, there might be a lot less money coming in because of it. Or, I don't know. I mean, whatever it is, God will lead you into things and we've got to break down this idea that we can only do what we can manage. There is wisdom in your limitations and yet, do we have a good theology of the Holy Spirit that the Spirit of the resurrection of Jesus Christ dwells within us um, to give life, spirit? you know, spirit-filled life um, to our bodies. That's something we need to think about. we got to quit. And we're going to talk about the Spirit some more next week because there's more there. Um, let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your grace and mercy for sending Your Son. 
Lord, you took all of our sin on yourself, and um, we thank you for the forgiveness of sins. And we thank you that you went back to heaven and sent the Spirit. You even said it was better that he come. Uh, Lord, it's hard for us to imagine, but Holy Spirit, we want to honor you and better understand uh, your distinct uh, role in the Trinity and and understand just how amazing it is that you dwell within us, the the spirit of the resurrection. Lord, uh, teach us to trust in you and depend on you. And we do pray that you would give us opportunities outside of our comfort zones, outside of what we can manage, to watch you work and to watch you expand our boundaries, um, to watch you fill out our margin with supernatural strength. Lord, for those that are in here today and um, they are already overwhelmed and uh, trying to just navigate uh, the difficulties of this life, would you speak peace to their souls and uh, encourage them with the fact that you take those burdens before the throne of God uh, with perfect interpretation according to the will of God. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Give us peace, give us courage, give us faith. We do pray that you would guide and lead us in your paths for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Good talk.